over 118 years of political marriages, failed marriages, tight purse strings and a new religion, the Tudor dynasty had ups and downs, plenty of beheadings and some fiery personalities. Beginning in the dark middle ages to a more modern time, so pour your cuppers because this is coffee and a slice of history, the Tudor dynasty. Hey up and welcome to episode 9, Ellie here as usual, I hope you're all doing well. Uh, it's part 2 from last week's Tudor dynasty. Like I said last week, I've tried to split it up as evenly as possible. So, without further ado, on to part two. After Henry VIII died in 1547, his third child and only son, Prince Edward, finally became king at the age of nine, and he became known as King Edward VI. The young King Edward was a sickly child and didn't rule for long. His father had waited 28 years for him to be born and protected him as much as possible. The floors and walls of Edward's the six rooms were washed thoroughly every day to make sure it was a clean environment to prevent any disease. He was well educated and took a big interest in history and his tutors gave him a broad education. He was being taught Greek and Latin as well as being shown how to write clearly. He was encouraged to go to council privy meetings and learn about government and politics for his future role becoming king. As he was too young to rule when he came to the throne, King Edward had a protector, someone who assisted him to rule until he became old enough. This man was the Duke of Somerset. He was Edward's uncle. He was the protector for three years and tried not to rule like his brother-in-law and made the effort to try and improve the lives of poorer people in the country. This didn't go down too well as regular folk got their hopes up and didn't have their expectations met, leading to a rebellion. He was then removed from his role as protector and executed, like everybody else in the Tudor times. He was then replaced by the Duke of Northumberland. He was called John Dudley. When Dudley became Edward's protector, he learned that the young king had tuberculosis and saw this as an opportunity. He tried to get Edward to name Lady Jane Grey as monarch after the king died. Lady Jane Grey was great-great-granddaughter to King Henry VII, so he thought that she had a claim to the throne. As well as this, he set up a wedding between Lady Jane Grey and Dudley's own son. While he was severely ill, young Edward named Lady Jane Grey as the next monarch, much to Dudley's success. And not soon after this, Edward died. Many people believed that it was the Duke of Northumberland's fault that Edward suddenly died. But either way, it didn't matter. Lady Jane Grey was named the next monarch. However, she never officially was crowned and didn't have a coronation. She ruled for only nine days and she gained the nickname the Nine Days Queen because of this. Lady Jane had only lasted on the throne for nine days as Mary Tudor, Henry VIII's first child, raised an army in order to overthrow Lady Jane off the throne. This was because Henry VIII 
before he died, said that Mary Tudor could be queen if Edward VI died without any children. Therefore, she saw that she had the main right to be monarch after Edward. Mary had Lady Jane Grey executed to prevent any further problems. Mary Tudor then became queen in 1553, becoming Mary I, and the first queen to reign within her own right, meaning that she didn't just become queen because she was married to king, but because she was the next and only heir, as Edward VI had no children. As a child, in 1534, when Henry VIII created the Church of England in order to divorce from Catherine of Aragon, Mary's mum, there were some allegations of incest being circulated, even though they were not true, and in a way it made Mary seem illegitimate. Then, when Anne Boleyn gave birth to Elizabeth... Mary then didn't have access to either of her parents, Henry VIII or Catherine of Aragon. She was stripped of her title of princess and had to act as a lady-in-waiting to the young Elizabeth and she never saw her mother again. However, in secret, she did write a few letters to her back and forth. She was also known as Bloody Mary as she would persecute Protestants she was a fiercely religious Catholic, like her mother, Catherine of Aragon, and was brought up on Catholic beliefs, even though her father, Henry VIII, made it so more people were Protestants. She burned these piteous Protestants at the stake, nearly 300 of them in her five-year reign. That's about 60 per year. Then a further 800 Protestants fled the country. She did this because she wanted to bring the country back into the grasp of Catholicism, meaning everything her father and her half-brother did would essentially be reversed. The legacy of Queen Mary was also dirtied by the fact of during her reign, Calais, which was an English stronghold in France, was lost by the English and the French took control back. She became very unpopular. She then married the Catholic King of Spain, Philip, in 1554, but she didn't have any heirs. She had two false alarms when she thought she might be pregnant, and due to this, it meant that her younger half-sibling, Elizabeth, became monarch after her, becoming Elizabeth I. Queen Mary became very ill and very weak in November 1558, and as she had no children and there was nobody else, she had to resentfully name her Protestant half-sister Elizabeth as Queen. So then, finally, in 1558, the final Tudor of the dynasty was crowned, Queen Elizabeth I. When Elizabeth came to the throne, England was very much a divided country, as well as being on the verge of bankruptcy. She reinstated the religious reformation her father, Henry VIII, started and built the Church of England back up, but so it was neither extremely Protestant or extremely Catholic. As well as repairing the religious damage, Elizabeth ruled over the country as England had to defend itself from Spain. On the 19th of July, 1588, the Spanish Armada was sighted off of the Lizard in Cornwall. 
The English fleet, based at Plymouth, attempted to disrupt the Armada's passage and managed to inflict some damage, but could not stop it. However, the Armada was defeated in July 1588 after a fire fight erupted and storm winds set the Spanish fleet into disarray. And as they tried to turn around, the wind still wasn't playing in their favour. So thanks to adverse weather conditions, the English managed to win the battle by the skin of their teeth. The men appointed as intelligence advisers by Queen Elizabeth I were commended and she was seen as a great monarch for having such advisers as well as her advisory part in the Spanish defeat. Throughout her life, the Virgin Queen, as she was called as she never married, was very fashion forward and a bit of a trendsetter. She had a very large and very expensive wardrobe of dresses. However, she used this fashion and her image of fashion in her painted portraits to portray messages to people, showing that even though she was merely just a woman and just a queen, she could rule just as well as a man or a king, and she knew just as much as a man. In one of her portraits, her dress had eyes and ears all over it, suggesting that she has eyes and ears everywhere and she knew everything that went on. And it was this early portrait of her that made such an impact and a lasting impression of the young queen on the British public. Queen Elizabeth ruled for a total of 44 years and eventually died in 1603 at Richmond Palace at the age of 69. And it is said that her funeral was not like any other before hers. Both common folk and noblemen attended her funeral procession and the streets were lined. So there we have it, 118 years of religious yo-yoing and back and forth, some solo reigning queens who were the first of their kind and still had a massive impact on the country, a tyrant king who wasn't meant to be and a king who settled a major civil battle and made the country some money too. They were the good and they were the bad. They were the Tudor dynasty.